Hello, sailors, and welcome to another episode of Offshore Sailing and Cruising with Paul Trammell. Well, I've got a great one for you today. I uh, talked with Simon and Sally Kern, and they were in, oh, where were they when I talked to them? Uh, Providencia uh, Island, owned by Columbia. That's where they were when I was talking to them. They had sailed uh, there from the Cayman Islands and there from Cuba. And from uh, last time I talked to them, actually talked to them, they were in Maine when I was in Maine. And uh, they headed down the east coast of the United States when, while I went to Newfoundland. And uh, what a great conversation we had. Such, such fun people to talk to. So stick around for that. Before we go, I want to thank first all of the patrons that are supporting through Patreon. If you're a regular listener, please consider supporting. There's a link to Patreon. Uh, on every page of my website, paultrammell.com, and you will get access to bonus content. I post many episodes on there. Uh, whenever I learn something new, I try to make a post about it. Uh, recently, just just uh, today, I posted a, a photo of a way that I hold bolts on the deck of the boat when I'm down below inside the boat uh, trying to, to tighten the nuts underneath them. So I uh, check that out. Uh, I've, and I've also recorded myself reading uh, The Gold Box, a novel that I wrote. So it's like you get an entire audio book. Uh, access to bonus episodes, all kinds of stuff. Check that out at Patreon. And thanks to Blue for their support, BLU3. Find them at DiveBlue.com. They are the makers of the Nemo and the Nomad tankless dive systems. These are little compressors that are battery-powered, lithium battery-powered, rechargeable. They float with a hose that leads down to a regulator and allow you to breathe underwater. Um, I have the Nemo. It allows me to dive 10 feet. And that is perfect for cleaning the hull, for cleaning Windflower's hull. Uh, so much easier to do than uh, the way I used to do it, which was holding my breath. Find them at DiveBlue.com, D-I-V-E-B-L-U-3.com. Also, thanks to J.B. Langley for their support, makers of the Altus Rain Suit. Fantastic piece of gear, absolutely waterproof, super high quality, windproof. Uh, it's, it's just a great jacket, uh, and they make a, a pants, too. That's a whole rain suit. J.B. Langley also... Uh, they make outdoor clothing. So check them out at jblangley.com. All right, folks. So let's get right to it. This is my interview with Simon and Sally Curran. Simon and Sally. Hi, Paul. We, we, good evening. Good evening. How are you doing? Oh, I forgot to put my headphones on. Here we are. Now I can hear you. Oh, that's better. Okay. Sorry, we've got some background sound effects. It's blowing up at Anchorage. So we've got rigging, clanking. We've got wind generators purring. We've got all sorts of stuff going on in the background. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's actually windy here today too, so I've got a I probably got a little bit of noise myself. So, where are you guys? We're on the island of Providencia at the moment. Providencia, yeah. Yeah. Good. And how yeah. is it? Yeah, no, it's good. We arrived uh, Monday morning, I think. Yep, yep. So we uh, we hired a a Kawasaki mule, which is one of those four by four buggies to. Drive oh yeah, which is which is quite fun this afternoon, and uh, we had a, a birthday to celebrate, so uh, we went and had a lobster a lobster lunch on one of the beach restaurants on the western side. Wonderful! Yes, uh, happy birthday! Thank you very much. Great. So I was in San Andres a couple of years ago, and Providencia was closed because it had been destroyed by the hurricane. So mm-hmm. how is it now? Have they recovered? Recovering, Paul, um, the, the island population has gone up about 20% because there's a huge number of uh, Colombian workmen here. Uh, so okay. a, lot of, a lot of the houses are being completely rebuilt. 
um, but it's still work in progress and there's lots of debris that's all being bagged up it just needs to be collected and disposed of somewhere um, so uh, it's a work in progress so it'll probably be another okay. year or two before they're back to their, their full glory but I think the houses are looking stronger than they perhaps were they've all got really good strong metal frames or concrete frames and uh, uh, okay. metal roofs that are screwed screwed well down because uh, it was devastating it wiped out 95% of the uh, of the housing it's a really remote wow. place there's no there's a there's a small airport but that was damaged um and it can only take a small plane um, and they don't have a, a a deep a deep all-weather harbor so it must have been really really frightening when uh, they all lost their houses <laughs> it must have been yeah golly yeah, yeah i i was in san andres it was a uh, an, an interesting experience for me, um, you know, unique uh, being in Colombia. But uh, so for, like for one thing, they didn't want us to move. Like we, there was one particular anchorage and, and they didn't want us to go anywhere else. Uh, is that how it is in Providencia? There is only one anchorage really here, uh, Paul. Um, so yeah, yeah we, we we managed to uh, swing around a bit into the channel. So we were instructed to move. <laughs> oh, okay. So we're actually quite a long way out. We we only have an electric outboard motor, so uh, so we have quite a, a long trip to uh, to the harbour by uh, electric outboard motor, and it's quite brisk ah. wind conditions. And of course, the harbour is immediately upwind, and there's quite a bit of uh, um, tide and current that comes through. So we have a bouncy ride in the morning to go climb. Um, we're going to climb the hill on Providencia, which is about is it about twelve hundred feet, I think. I'm not sure. So yeah. So okay. we're, we're going to go first light in the morning to try and do it while it's still reasonably cool. Did you did you Great. go to the um, the Albuquerque Keys at all? Because that's where we're keen to uh, stop off at on the way to Boca del Toro. No, I did not stop in those keys. Um, I asked, I asked my uh, my agent, my customs agent, about them, and um, he didn't seem very keen to uh, tell me it was okay to go there. Uh, yeah, we, seen, we, decided, we just decided not to ask the agent. I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not. <laughs> no, I think that's that's the you know if you want to go, that's probably your best bet is just not to ask and hope that you don't you know get in trouble for it. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty serious. Like like and and I asked uh, my agent if I could sail around to the other side of the island because Navionics shows an anchorage on on the um, opposite side of San Andres, and he said, "This is exactly what he said to me." He said, "If you go." to the other side of the island, continue sailing and come on back around and come right back to here. <laughs> oh, really? Is that the, <laughs> That's what he told me. <laughs> I've forgotten the name of the agent there. He's an, he's an OCC port officer representative, isn't he? But he's had kind he of is, mi yes. mixed reports. I can't remember his name, but there was a, an OCC boat that was in there earlier this year, who, uh, a boat called El Luthra, I don't know if you come across them at all, who gave him a terrible write-up. <laughs> oh, but we we probably will miss out San Andreas. It sounds completely different in character to Providencia and the uh, and the um, yeah. Albuquerque Keys. So we'll, we'll probably, I think, what we'll probably do is just try and drop the hook, um, maybe for an, an afternoon and just do a bit of snorkeling at the, and maybe stay overnight if it's calm. Uh, yeah, and we don't get accosted by the military because because it is occupied by the military, isn't it? They've got a small camp on one of the islands. Yeah. Um... So the customs agent was very friendly and, and uh, helpful and no problem. Uh, I, he was he was fine when I was there. 
Good. And um, yeah, so when I when I left San Andres, that was also an interesting experience. They, um, you know, you clear out with your customs agent, and the last thing he tells you to do once you've cleared out is to call port control and tell them you're leaving, and you know, ask them because there's a channel you have to go through, and you want to make sure it's clear. Yeah. So you said, you know, call call port. You're ready. He said, oh, you're good to go. Your paperwork's complete. Just call port control when you're ready to leave. And um, they'll give you permission to leave. And I, so I called port control and they said, okay, you're, you're all good. So I start leaving and, and as I'm heading out, they, they call me back and they say, please proceed to Anchorage area Delta. <laughs> and uh, and the, the Garden Nationale is going to meet you. And they're, and they're saying this in Spanish too, so it makes it a little more. And I, you know, and there's no Anchorage area Delta on the chart. So I ask them where it is and they, and they give me uh, GPS coordinates. <laughs> so... Oh, so I got to figure out where it is. I pull over, drop the drop an anchor in forty feet of water, and <laughs> the Garden National. Yeah, it's not not easy at all. The Garden National comes by in their boat, and they and they board me, um, with with weapons. One of them had a had a AK forty seven in his hands. Jeepers on my boat. On, on my boat, yeah. And uh, one of them, they were all friendly. Um, one of them went down below and and uh, looked around while. Another one sat in the cockpit with me, and the third one stood on the deck of my boat with his gun in his hand. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, but they did that to everybody. Every boat that left, they did, it was the same story. So yeah. they're just they're just very serious in Colombia, um, yeah. making sure you're not leaving with contraband. Yeah, I guess. So the drugs trade affects San Andres, does it? They say it doesn't come up this far to put to Providenciales, but uh, Providencia, but. Uh, is there's, there's, there's still quite a lot of drugs down in, in San Andreas, is there? I, yeah, I, I mean, apparently they were very serious about making sure we weren't up to anything we weren't right. supposed to be. That's um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we won't go to the Albuquerque Chief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, I mean, they're, they're serious, you know, but, um, right, San Andres was a, was a noisy place uh, full of partying tourists and party boats and music and DJs, lot, lots of boat traffic and lots of noise and music. It sounds like, the, yeah, quite anticipated to hear. There's, there's, what, there's one, two, there's two other cruising boats in the, in the harbour and uh, one big super yacht with its shadow boats, but they're anchored well out and that's it. So uh, we're, we're pretty much on our own, which is good. Okay, so there's no, uh, no party boats, no, no boats full of tourists with music playing and DJs? No, no, no party boats, no, no cruise liners. Uh, um, okay. I, the, the island has got such limited facilities. I'm not sure how they would accommodate them. There's no, there's no kind of passenger terminal to bring large quantities of people in by boat, and the, the plane only seats forty people. So. Uh, uh, yeah, that sounds much more peaceful. Yeah, no, it's it's lovely. It's very highly recommended. <laughs> highly, highly recommended, and it's mountainous, which is great. We haven't seen. Uh, mountains for a couple of months now so um, it's uh, beautiful all right yeah and how was the clearing into customs process yeah really civilized so we used an agent here called mr bush um <laughs> still waiting for our tourist cards <laughs> yeah we don't have the tourist cards yet because apparently they have to be flown in from i don't know bogota or so <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so um uh he we just went up to his office which is like three minutes walk from the dinghy dock and uh, he set us out on his balcony which was lovely because there's a breeze blowing through it 
and uh, everybody came to us, which was amazing. So the, the, the Armada guy turned up, and their passports disappeared, and came back half an hour later. So we just chatted, Good. chatted for an hour um, in a, in a, a lovely breeze, and. Uh, we were good to go about an hour or two later. It was good. Hey, we, had to pay for, we had to pay for it. I think it was like 100 bucks, was it? I gave him 150 bucks, yeah. which includes the tourist yeah. visa, I think. Yeah. But we, 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 mm-hmm. we thought, because we were staying a week, we might have to do one of these temporary import things. But the, um, the rules are different in, I don't know about San Andreas, but the, the rules here are different. So you get up to 15 days before you have to import the boat whereas on the mainland you have to do it after five days uh, so we were, we were relieved to that so that's one piece of bureaucracy we didn't have to go through because we'll probably push off on Monday okay so if you go to mainland you, what what is it you have to do I don't quite understand if you stay longer than five days no, four days stay longer than four days you get four days but okay, on so the fifth day you would have to have your temporary import permit yeah so you have to apply and receive a temporary import permit for the boat uh, to keep it, keep it. I think it's just another piece of bureaucracy, presumably with a cost okay. attached. But I don't, no, I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, w- unless we stay here or in the com- combination of uh, uh, Colombian waters for more than fifteen days, then then we're good. So it's a, it's a dispensation for the uh, for the, the these fairly remote islands. We're actually nowhere near Colombia, are we? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, nowhere near Colombia at all. You're closer to Nicaragua, I believe. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we gave Nicaragua a wide berth. <laughs> yes, yes, I've heard that's the thing to do. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you mentioned one of the things I wanted to ask you about was your, your electric dinghy motor. What have you got and how do you like it? Oh, we bought a Torquedo in 2010, so we're really early adopters. Um, and... Uh, Although we lug around with us a uh, 9.8 horsepower two-stroke Tohatsu, um, we haven't actually uh-huh. used it for seven years. <laughs> so we think, oh, wow. we think it still works. Um, uh, so it's still on the push bit. But the difference is the Torquedo, it, you know, Sally can pass it down to me in the dinghy. Uh, I can grab it. Oh, with, nice. well, I can grab it with one hand. Uh, we can charge the batteries up on the boat. Um, uh and we are completely besotted by a silent um, proportion. So we, we, nice. it, it, we, it's, uh, it's only an equivalent of three and a half horsepower pull, but it, uh, it won't get us up on the plane. Um, but, it, you know, we, we were motoring in to, um, against the chop in, I don't know, is it 20, 25 knots this morning? Um, mm. And it, it, it got us a mile up into the dinghy dock with no problem at all. Um, good. Yeah, no, it's good. We love it. Yeah. So we, we, I... We considered selling the, the, the two-stroke, but probably nobody would buy it off us. Um, uh, and as we're going a bit more remote into the Pacific, you, you, a bit of redundancy probably is no bad thing. But, uh, more people as well. Yeah, we'll have four people on one across the Pacific rather than two. So I guess fully loaded, the, uh, the electric will, will struggle a bit more. But we used it right the way through the Arctic. We used it in Iceland. We used it in uh, Greenland, Canada. It's, all, it's great. Lovely, lovely piece of kit. Good. Very good. And you're talking to me via Starlink right now, is that right? We are, yep, yep. Starlink hasn't missed a beat since we fitted it in Annapolis uh, back in October. So uh, uh, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of weird. We actually did a, um, 
an OCC uh, board meeting <laughs> um, uh, 100 miles south of the Cayman Islands <laughs> with full video, oh, yeah. full video conferencing, which is kind of weird, really. But it worked, and uh, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's something I'm considering, you know, with um, you know, my podcast and my writing business. Um, I, I need, I need a, and always struggle. Um, I'm curious about the, the power usage. I, I hear that it uses quite a bit of power. What, what's that like? Yeah, when we first got it, Paul, we were, uh, we would switch it off every time we weren't using it. So, um, uh, but now we switched to lithium batteries. We've just got lazy and we, you know, on passage, uh-huh. we have it on all the time because it's, you know, it's live broadcasting our position to predict winds, AIS receivers. It's 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 doing all sorts of stuff in the background. We're streaming British radio programs all the way live when we're, when we're, <laughs> when we're in the middle of the Caribbean. So uh, it's difficult to imagine life without us at the moment. <laughs> wow. It's great. You really enjoy now- it. Good, good. Um, and I wanted to ask you about your lithium batteries too. But another, another thing I'm curious about, um, you know, when I'm when I'm offshore and I'm disconnected, you know, the, the disconnection is kind of part of the magic of sailing. And does does it detract from the the experience of being offshore, or or is it just something that is that the positives just completely outweigh any negatives? I think there's two types of people, Paul. Um, I, I, you know, a lot of people have said the same to me. Is you know part of the reason they they eschew these things is because they you know enjoy the peace and the solitude uh i'm not speaking for sully now but i personally just adore being connected um uh, <laughs> and, and i've got i've got i've got responsibilities back home and uh, it's it, it's it, it's it's adds to it rather than detracts to it from me and the fact that we can you know bring in full fat um, uh, weather information, uh, mm-hmm. live Gulfstream data—you know, you name it. We instead of connecting to Chris Parker via that scratchy SSB thing that we've got tucked away in the corner, we've actually can have a you know a live, um, uh, beautifully crisp uh, conversation with, with his webcast every morning, which is just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that sounds nice. The weather would be like the biggest. That must be the the best the best part about it. Must be getting the the accurate weather forecasts. Yeah, yeah. No, well, you get them on on Predict Wit on um, the Iridium Go, which is what we paid for. You know, we renewed our SIM card when we set off. I bitterly regret it because using Iridium Go <laughs> is just hugely frustrating. Um, and of course, you get a uh. fraction fraction of the data in compared with. Uh, what you do without thinking with Starlink that uh, I can't imagine life without yep. it, as I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll get it eventually. And then I'll, I'll immediately it's, not be able to imagine life without it too. It's, um, what do you I, li- I like being connected also. I like being connected, but I also kind of like the quiet of, of not being connected, but uh, well, you can always flick the switch. I, I'm always, you can always flick the switch and turn it off. Yeah. And I'm always very excited to uh, be connected again whenever I arrive somewhere. <laughs> It's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I, where we didn't yeah. expect it to work at all was Cuba, because if you look on the Starlink, Starlink map, it's one big black hole, um, and we thought, mm-hmm. you know, we would thought it would have all been geofenced, but it, it was absolutely brilliant in Cuba. Um, uh, Great. And I think we had probably had the best broadband in Cuba when we were there, although we didn't tell anybody we got <laughs> it. We, although we've got the we've got the thing mounted on our bimini, but we put a we put a hatch cover over it. <laughs> 
<laughs> ah, you've disguised it. <laughs> Disguising it as some sort of. Uh... Oh, it should be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably illegal, Akiva. I probably shouldn't mention that, but uh, it was. Uh, oh sure. It was. It, yeah. it was tremendous. It was really good. Um, so way better than what you could get with a SIM card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm relying on on a Google Fi. That's what's been providing me with internet. Ah, oh, okay. We can't do Google Fi. You you have to have an American address, don't you, for Google Fi, or you have to keep renewing it in America or an American bank account or something. I looked into it six months ago or so, and it, it was something we couldn't use. Yeah, it works fairly well. I mean, I do have an American address, yeah. um, and it works fairly well. It worked all through Canada. And uh, and through the U.S. coming back down, and and I'm actually hotspotting with it right now. So so b- before before just this this trip to the Bahamas, it, it would not hotspot out outside the U.S. Um, because I have an iPhone, right? But uh, so I was all I was all ready to get a SIM card when I arrived in the Bahamas for this little router that I have. Uh, get a SIM card through a live, but uh, all the, but but the hotspot works even though it's not supposed to. So. So it's I'm optimized not. then, but of course it's Google, so it's optimized for Android, presumably. It is optimized for Android, exactly. With Android, you can hotspot outside the country, but uh, you're not supposed to be able to with but with Google Fi, with iPhone, with, but, with, but it's working now. With Google Fi, you need to be, I mean, it's coastal. You need to be um, within sight of a 4G master or something, is it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it, you, have to, it's, it, you have to be next to a, you know, within sight of a cell phone tower. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, the, the the big advantage of Starlink is the price. It's it's way cheaper now than um, than the Iridium Go subscription. So, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> what are you paying for it now? Uh, it depends where you buy it. We bought ours in the states, which is the most expensive subscription, uh, the RV one, which is 130 US a month. Um, uh-huh. And I think when we bought our last month of Iridium Go, I think we we're paying. Uh, maybe dollars or pounds, but I think it's 150 pounds a month now for uh, for wow. Iridium Go. So it's it's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. For, for off, all right, for, and for how about offshore. you? For offshore, yeah. Yeah, and how about your lithium batteries? Tell me about that conversion. How'd that go? Yeah, well, we didn't we didn't plan to do it, Paul. Um, we uh, we had AGM batteries. Um, and we knew they were coming towards the end of their life. They were 10 years old. Um, uh, so we arranged to replace them. Um, we were going to get, buy them in Fort Lauderdale. As, um, uh, but when we were cruising down through the Chesapeake, we tied up on a friend's uh-huh. dock, an OCC member's dock, actually, uh, Brian and Vicky. Um, and uh, we were just chatting about batteries and... Uh, he said, oh, I know this guy who can sort your lithiums out. And it turned out that it was a guy called Hank George, who's an OCC member. Uh, he, used to guy, he used to be president of the uh, uh, Salty Dog Sailing Association. And he's now retired from that and set up his own um, lithium, LifePo lithium um, uh, uh, iron phosphate, uh, LifePo, whatever that sounds for, lithium ferrous phosphate um, uh, battery business in the northern neck in the, on the west side of the Chesapeake. Um, and okay. So Hank came down, not as a salesman, but just to talk us through it, because I'd always discarded it as being, A, ridiculously expensive, B, we'd have to replace lots of the boat electronics to make it all work, or uh, electric, electrical systems, um, and I was worried about fire and insurance and all that sort of stuff. And he just went through it, he answered our questions, he was very patient with us, no pressure at all. Um, uh, we 
rang up our insurance company who said, yeah, fine, as long as it's professionally fitted um, and as long as it's LifePo, not lithium iron. Um, so we gave the green light and uh, uh, Hank was re really good to deal with. Um, the actual installation probably is slightly more complicated by our battery compartment. Um, so we had an installer come up from Deltaville who did the, the, the installation. Um, that took him about a week. Um, <laughs> the last thing he was going to do on the Friday night was switch over a reprogrammer charger inverter, which was 10, year, 10 years old, a Victron, um, uh, uh, to make that lithium compatible. And that, that's where it all went wrong. <laughs> so, uh. so he plugged his, he plugged our uh, charger inverter into his laptop um, and they wouldn't speak to each other. Um, uh, uh, to download the latest firmware. And it was Friday afternoon, um, and he decided to fiddle with the jumpers and see if he could do something manually rather than electronically, and it blew up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so smoke started coming out of our, um, uh, out of our charger inverter, so that was written off. And, of course, it's, oh, it's a European one, so it's... Uh, our boat electrics are all 240 volts um, uh, rather than 110. Uh, so we then had the problem of trying to find a charger inverter in the States that would run, <laughs> run, our, boat, oh. run our boat systems. And Hank actually tracked, tracked one down in Texas um, uh, and managed to get it to ship uh, within 24 hours. Um, which oh, great. Probably the only 240 volt <laughs> charger converter in North America. Um, so that delayed the whole yeah, process. Yeah, that delayed the whole process a bit, um, uh, and added quite a bit of significant expense, much to Sally's disgust, uh, uh, to the conversion. But they have been great. They're really good. Um, you can follow what's going on with the charging. They charge up much quicker, both off our generator uh, and off our alternator, um, and you can run them right down if you want to. You haven't got to worry about damaging the batteries. So I. I no regrets at all. We wouldn't go back. Great. Yeah, I'm tempted to do that as well. It's it's, ex it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. I'm hope I'm hoping my AGMs last ten years. That that would be wonderful. But, I had to uh, do a, a maintenance charge on my AGM batteries when I was in Chesapeake. Uh, I was there for the for the boat show. So I was there. Some we must probably right before you guys. We, I guess we must have overlapped. Just missed each other. We actually went to the boat show, so we must have overlapped, Paul. But. Uh, the, uh, oh, you were there at the boat show? We, uh, when we finally removed our AGMs, um, uh, two of them had actually split in half. Um, uh, and we think oh. we think what had happened is the two that were left connected when we left the boat in the Arctic um, uh, must have got discharged. Uh, and as they're discharged, they can freeze, because normally an AGM, if it's fully charged, won't freeze below until below minus 83 centigrade. Um uh, mm -hmm. But our boat went down to minus forty, and we think what happened is the uh, the the these two got discharged, um, froze solid, and split wide open. So uh, we had used the very last gram of <laughs> electrons out of those batteries. So uh, they only just made it. Ten, wow. Only just made it ten years. <laughs> where did you leave your boat? Where it got to negative forty Celsius? Oh, Northwest Greenland. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good grief. Spent, you guys have been exploring. It spent a winter up there, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So last time I talked to you, you were in 
um, Vinyl Haven, Maine, I think. Is that right? Oh gosh, I can't remember. Cool. Yeah, somewhere in Maine. We almost we almost met up. Oh yeah, you rock, were going Rockland. you were going north, weren't you? And we were coming south, and yeah, yeah, we were we were pretty close. And then you kind of you steered directly for Nova Scotia, whereas we were yeah. we were cru- cruising. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I went on up up to Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and I uh, and you guys, um, I guess, headed down the coast of the U.S. So I'm curious about that. What did you see, and how did you like it? We had a really great first part of uh, 2022 cruise. Really, we, we cycled. Yeah, well, well, we we <laughs> yeah we had the AGM in Annapolis uh, for the for the Ocean Cruising Club, uh, and that was too soon at the beginning of April to launch our boat in Nova Scotia. Um, Nothing, nothing works in April in Nova Scotia. Um, so uh, mm-hmm. rather than fly back home, we took our bikes to the Annapolis, to Annapolis Boat Show and cycled up to uh, cycled up to uh, to, to Maine, um, and eventually uh, got back to the boat um, in Nova Scotia and launched in about I think May the second or May the third, something like that, uh, which was right mm-hmm. at, right at the start of their season. And incidentally, never go cruising in Nova Scotia in May. There's a really, really good reason not to. Um, and the problem there is the lobster pot season is horrendous. Um, so the lobster, oh. the lobster pot season ends on the 31st of May. Uh, so it's, it's completely fine on the 1st of June. Um, uh, but in May, they brought all the offshore pots inshore after the winter, but they don't shorten the lines and the lines are all floating. Um, so going around, oh, no. going around Cape Sable was like a spider's web uh, of, of floating lines uh, with 20, 30, 40 meters of line trailing on the surface in the current. Uh, and we actually picked up three lobster pots on the way around the Cape Sable. <laughs> oh, good grief. And the, the guy who runs our boatyard in, in um, Gold River, um, Mahone Bay, uh, warned us about this because during the winter, He's a lobster fisherman. <laughs> he said, "Just don't do it." And we ignored him, and uh, he was right. <laughs> wow, I got lucky. You know, I arrived probably on June first. You did in Nova Scotia. Well, the, the, yeah. there's an OCC boat going north a few days ahead of you because we crossed with him, um, a Norwegian couple uh, family actually, um, uh, and they went into, oh, yeah. into Yarmouth um, about four or five uh-huh. days after we left Yarmouth. Uh, and they picked up a pot and got it wrapped around their propeller and all the all the usual oh, all, all the usual issues all the usual issues. Um, Golly. It's, it's it's worth postponing Nova Scotia until the, the, the season's finished. And in contrast, we, expect, we 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 thought Maine would be awful because everybody tells you Maine's pots are a nightmare. But because we were so early in the season, I don't think they were anywhere near as dense as they uh, as they are later in the summer. And what's more important is they're all weighted, the uh, the lines, so they don't float on the surface as they do in Nova Scotia. So mm-hmm. Maine was a dot as far yeah. as lobster pots were concerned as far uh, for us. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. We loved it. Well, I had, yeah, I had the opposite experience. I thought I thought Maine was full of lobster pots and, and I got to Nova Scotia and there weren't any. So <laughs> we had the completely opposite experience. <laughs> yep, yep. It's the time of the year. <laughs> but you had, you had yeah. a ball of a time in Newfoundland. We, yeah, we were following your... Uh, you, you, you spent a lot of time in those fields, didn't you? I did. I spent the whole summer up there. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was the the most uh, incredible adventure of my life, probably. It was uh, it was just mind-blowing. Um, 
it exceeded all my expectations. It, um, it, was, it, it was fantastic. It, it is a wonderful cruising ground and made better by the by the people there, isn't it? When you when you go into those little outports and uh, you get such uh, warm welcomes, it is certainly. Yeah. And the black flag. Oh yeah, and the black flag. Sorry, mentions <laughs> <laughs> and musky <mostly> <laughs> Yeah, the black flies need to be contended with for sure. Um, they uh, they didn't cause me any any great problems though. Uh, cer- certainly some some moments of, of discomfort and and, uh, you know, and chase. But uh, yeah. we we went into France way, and as we came into the dock, there there's a guy painting the dock, and we should have sort of twigged that that um, something was going on because he was completely covered in this enormous smock. Which was obviously black fly protection, <laughs> but we didn't quite get the message until we started walking up the hill there and uh, suddenly realised that we were getting inundated. <laughs> and there's, there's, I can't remember the name. There was another bay we went Hare into, Hare Bay. We went into, and we decided to go looking for moose for some strange reason. Reason up in the bush somewhere, and we just got completely eaten. Savage, <laughs> Absolutely yeah. eaten. We didn't see yeah. a boost. We couldn't see past the mosquitoes. But the then the other places <laughs> you went to, and for whatever reason, you didn't, you didn't get bothered. So, yeah. That was Newfoundland. Well, right? so I, de- I definitely got assaulted by them in Francois. I would have stayed longer if it weren't for the, <laughs> for the black flies. <laughs> yeah, because, but, you know, because you're, you're – you can't anchor there so you're on that dock yeah. and the dock is close to shore and and um you know shore is where they are yeah. and then so every time i went hiking um i got assaulted by them but i but i was always going straight up the mountains i was always trying to get to the top of the mountains yeah. and, the, and the further up the mountain you go the fewer you come across and at the very top there aren't any yeah they get blown off there so but it the, was always kind of a race yeah the lo- i guess so the local people in the stores in front way were complaining how bad they were and i thought if the locals are complaining they oh. must be bad Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're bad, no doubt about it. The, the bugs are a serious issue there, but but they're all on shore. I, I don't think I was ever troubled by them um, in my boat. No. Maybe a little bit, um, yeah. but but usually not. Yeah. Yeah. We fitted good mosquito no. nets since then, and we haven't seen any mosquitoes since we've been here. <laughs> <laughs> we we. Yeah, you never know. You never know when you're going to come across. Yeah flying bugs they they can be just about anywhere um all right so i'm I'm curious what what else you saw when you're coming down the the coast of the united states uh you know from a a british couple's perspective i'm curious what you what you saw and what you liked i think i think the most overwhelming part of it was the people that we met actually paul um we we met a lot of cruisers a lot of members of the cruising club of america a lot of members of the ocean cruising club and their hospitality and generosity was just absolutely outstanding. Um, uh, and you become part of the community because you, you're rubbing shoulders with locals and enjoying local events. So obviously, the scenery up in Maine is great. Um, uh, but the people, uh, I think, were the, 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 the most significant memory for me. What do you think, Sam? Mm, definitely. I mean, there's obviously some iconic places like sailing through New York. You know, everybody has tales of um, coming down the East River and things like that. So, And that, that was definitely a, a very interesting experience for us. Um, but, yeah, generally, and actually some places like... 
We'd been to the uh, OCC uh, annual dinner where we'd had a talk by a guy that was a pilot on the uh, CMD Canal. And he was, you know, talking about how you have to be very careful if you're a sailing boat because these guys are piloting these huge vessels won't be able to see you. So I had expectations of being run down in the CMD Canal. <laughs> and actually, coming through there... It was amazing. We didn't see any. As we were actually underway, we saw no big vessels. We just saw lots of we oh, yeah. just saw lots of ospreys and osprey nests. <laughs> and it was much more picturesque than we'd imagined. You know, we sort of imagined quite an industrial waterway. Um, so yeah. yeah, that was great. Going up Delaware Bay, we'd heard horror stories, but we had a very easy passage up there because we seemed to have caught the tide right. Um, and then mm -hmm. coming into the Chesapeake and like we went into um, Sassafras. the Sassafras River, uh, which is where we had a little bit of a contretemps with our with our gearbox and uh, engine, which decided to part company. Um, so we were very grateful to have a, a CETO subscription. Uh, and we, ah. we called them out on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and we subsequently discovered that CETA work in a very different way to Tober US. Um, but anyway, so the CETA guys decided to take us to the head of the Sassafras River, which was going away from where the destination, which at that point was to actually get to Annapolis. And it's quite a shallow, narrow channel, but the guy took us up to this little marina very, very carefully and very well. And was just about to put us on a dock when the marina manager and owner came and screamed at him saying, no, they can't come here. <laughs> I don't want them here. I oh. can't cope with them. Anyway, this the CETO guy couldn't do anything else, so he did dump us on this dock. And actually, it was a lovely place. Um, and having um, sort of worked through that initial, um, yeah, uh, the guy was obviously quite stressed. It was coming up to the 4th of July. He was going to be incredibly busy with all these uh, mainly motorboats there that wanted to get everything sorted ready for their 4th of July trips. And suddenly he was confronted with this sailboat that was obviously incapacitated. Um, but anyway, it all turned out well. And it turned out to be a lovely stop, actually, and I really enjoyed it. And so. we probably wouldn't have sailed that far up the Sassafras under our own steam because one of the big disadvantages we have had in the in the states yeah. was the, the a draft pull. So uh, we draw seven foot six, which actually is quite limiting um, uh, uh, in in uh, the yeah. shallow areas of. Well, we couldn't go through any of the ICW because uh, our mast is too tall and yeah. our keel is too deep. Um, so I think if we were doing it again. With hindsight, we'd have bought a boat with a shorter keel and a, uh, a less tall, <laughs> a, a, less, a less tall mast. Because I think we missed out bits of the ICW would sound like they were really lovely. The area down from uh, Norfolk, um, we had friends who went down there, and they there's great photographs of going through uh -huh. the ICW in the autumn, whereas we were just offshore around Hatteras and. Uh, uh, a dismal swamp. I think we'd have perhaps seen a bit more of America had we been able to uh, use the ICW. So we we we, we yeah. made a few strategic visits where we could get over the various bars into the various harbours like Charleston, Beaufort, um, um, Morehouse, Morehead City, St Augustine, and uh, a few others. But uh, most of it was out of bounds for us. <laughs> 
Right. You know, St. Augustine's my hometown, Is and oh, I think right. I think we were there at the same time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that before. Gosh. Well, I just I was just looking through your your Facebook page, oh. and I saw some some photos dated dated December sixth, and uh, I was definitely there December sixth. Oh, oh, wow! Something. We screwed up there. We screwed <laughs> yeah. up there. It was quite busy when we were there because the the, the full flow of boats going south. Um, was in, so we we couldn't yeah. get a mooring. We just had to kind of squeeze squeeze in wherever we could anchor where we got enough depth. Um, so we were there for two. Th- we, we met up yeah. with the port officer there, who was great. But yeah, the, I mean, there's quite a few places we couldn't go because of our keel, and we we didn't. Tell- it was great. We really enjoyed it. We had lunch with them, and uh, a lovely city. That we really, oh, really liked great. Augustine, yeah. Oh, the lighthouse is, is my favorite tourist attraction. I think. I loved it. I lived there for for uh, twenty twenty four years or something. Um, yeah, and I was I was the, let's see, December sixth was my last day at the Marker Eight Marina right downtown, and then after that, for a couple of weeks, I was anchored uh, just north of uh, the Volano Bridge. So we were the we were the we arrived the, on the sixth, didn't we? We arrived on the sixth, yeah. So we we, we left on the eighth or ninth. Yeah, so I would have been uh, anchored anchored yeah. just north of uh, just north of town. And you guys saw that uh, wrecked sailboat on the way in. I saw I saw your post about that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we did. Yeah, yes. we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the wrecks multiplied as you went south. I mean, obviously, um, Hurricane Florence and Hurricane Ian, yeah. Ian um, had left a huge mark on Marathon and uh, Key West. Um, I think there were more boats... <laughs> on the bottom <laughs> than the world on the surface that uh, I, I guess it's going to take a while to clear up actually yeah. but yeah, but, yeah no, no, uh, but we were a bit intimidated by the uh, we'd heard lots of horror stories about the passage into St Augustine but uh, it, was, it was fine we waited we, we got to the uh, fairway buoy and just waited for first light rather than trying to do it in the in the dark yeah but actually it's just quite was quite straightforward and uh uh, it's, yeah. I, I think it'd be pretty wild if the wind condition was in the other direction, but yes. uh, it was it was good for us. Yes, if you just follow basic, um, you know, sailors sailors common sense, it's not a, it's not a bad inlet. But if you if you make any mistakes, uh, you're on the sand immediately, on either side. Yeah, and exposed to the swells. If it's, and exposed if it's, to the swells, uh, yeah, you're done. You're basically it's basically game over immediately if there's a swell and you hit one of those sandbars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if you come in in the daytime and you watch the, the 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 buoys, which are which are not lit, so you got to you definitely have to come in in the daytime. Yeah. And not during a big swell. So I was in Cape Lookout, North Carolina, um, and and wanted I wanted to take a weather window with with some good north wind, but I would have been arriving in St. Augustine during a, a was a, you know a large swell, and and I didn't. I waited. I I didn't want to go in the inlet during a 10 foot swell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah. So I waited and, um, took a, took a, a less favorable weather window where I had to motor part of the way, but, um, it was nice and easy on the way in. And that's, and that's what matters. You know, you get, get home safely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what absolutely. matters the most. Absolutely. So, but anyway, so, so from Key West, uh, you went to Cuba. Um, I've, I've never been to Cuba. How yeah. Was that? So- 
Well, we'd obviously sailed down with a whole gaggle of uh, mainly American boats going down to the Bahamas, and they all disappeared because hardly anybody goes to Cuba these days from the States for obvious reasons. Uh, In fact, Key West um, wouldn't Key West Border Border Agency or whatever they call themselves, um, Coast Guard, wouldn't clear us out because we were going to Cuba. Um, uh, So they they refused customs clearance, but Cuba's quite used to people turning up with no previous clear out documentation i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why america is so anti visiting cuba i mean what, what do they care if, if some some brits are going to go to cuba i don't get that bizarre it seems it seems such a shame for both parties particularly the cubans yeah um, who's you know their biggest trading ally and whatever is just 90 miles across the straits of florida yeah uh it seems to be biting everybody's nose off to spite their faces. And I think the problem lies on both sides, but uh, uh, we loved Cuba. We really enjoyed Cuba. The people were fantastic. We had an absolutely rapturous welcome at the Hemingway Marina, which I think there were three other cruising boats we were there, were there when we were there. And it can accommodate up to, I think, 400. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, the uh, the um, uh, York, Hemingway Yacht Club were incredibly hospitable. They put on a reception for us, um, and we went went we went shoreside for a bit. We uh, we took a, a taxi up to uh, Vinales, which is the mountains are the mountains on the western part of Cuba, and uh, did some cycling up in the uh, the limestone mountains of Vinales, which was really really good. Excellent. And how was the south coast? Remote, um, I think, is the best way to describe it. We didn't really know what to expect, Paul, but uh, as soon as you leave Hemingway and start heading west, you're quite quickly out of uh, regularly cruised water. So the anchorages are few and far between, particularly if you've got a deep keel. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, When you get to them, they are completely wild anchorages, a bit like you're, I guess, a bit more wild than the south coast of Newfoundland because there's some some of the places aren't inhabited there. Um, uh, there's nowhere really to get fuel uh, or certainly water or anything like that, so you have to be pretty independent. Um, and the the marina that they used to have on the western tip of Cuba, Marina Moros, had uh, been badly smashed up by Hurricane Ian, so uh, the customs house there had lost its roof, so the whole whole station had closed down. Um, so there is no marina there anymore, um, and certainly no fuel. Um, uh, and then you go on to the south coast, which is very remote and very, very beautiful. The water is incredibly clear. Uh, you're into the Caribbean, so the water temperature is 27 degrees Celsius. The uh, snorkeling is fantastic. And the only boats you come across are, are local fishermen who are all diving for lobster by breath hole diving, which is a, a really sustainable way to catch lobster. And they, they, they sidle up to you when they see your anchor and uh, you, 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 you swap lobsters for whatever you've got. We, we don't drink much and uh, I think we, we could only offer them two cans of beer and a pack of disposable razors. But that, that brought us a lobster that fed us perfectly adequate yeah. for one, one, one night. It was amazing. All right. And then you, eventually, eventually we came into Cayo Largo, which is a tourist um, uh, island um about a third of the way along the southern coast um, 
which has a, a, a marina, it's got shore power, it's got water, uh, not, not potable, yeah, no, not potable water. Not potable, not potable water. And a really accommodating dock master there. Um, and a great place to chill out, waiting for a weather, weather forecast to come south down to the Caymans to Providencia. Providen yeah, but no, I mean, provisioning in Cuba is very, very difficult. So, But we already had been forewarned of that. So mm -hmm. it's best to have everything you need with you, really. Yeah, the, the shops are completely devoid of anything useful. Well, they're not shops, yeah, really. Yeah. They just aren't shops. Um, and the marinas have a store, but pretty much the only things in the marina store are the cans of lager and bottles of whiskey you know? <laughs> <laughs> they've got um, your alcohol but nothing else huh yeah you could and, and obviously that and and you have to be careful with, with yeah the currency in cuba is interesting because when we were around on the north north side in havana and hemingway um we were using cuban pesos so we got cuban pesos to use as we came around to the south side only to find in um, in Cayo Largo, that Cuban pesos were not accepted from us. That we had to pay for everything with a with a um, a credit card. Oh no! <laughs> so we actually we ended up, we ended up actually giving our pesos away to yeah. a boat going north in, Cay in Cayman Island. Oh, good yeah. grief! We just couldn't, couldn't just couldn't spend them. They just could they just wouldn't accept them. And I think that's because Cayo Largo is a government-run tourist island. And the way the government control the the local workers there is to make sure they can't take money off tourists like cash. Okay. And if it goes through a credit card system, then they've got the control, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. One of the amazing amazing bargains in Cuba there was the uh, we went to fill up our fuel tank. Um, that was in and, Hemingway. <laughs> and diesel in Hemingway Marina was uh, twenty five cents. A gallon, wasn't it, or something? Yeah, absolutely wow. incredibly cheap. Incredibly cheap. Uh, and we thought it would be, we thought it would be the same in Cayo Largo, but it was about ten times the price in Cayo Largo. So there is no rule in Cuba. Everything's different wherever you are. I think, I think when it when it when it's a, something that is being used by locals, then you can buy at local rates. But when we got to Cayo Largo, because it's this government-run island for tourists, then we had to pay. <laughs> Uh, and really optimistic and cheerful despite being dirt poor um, they seem to live on fresh air they still have ration cards for their food um, it took uh, we we employed a Cuban guy to try and do some fixing you know uh, arrange things for us um, and uh, it took him a morning to buy a dozen eggs for us uh -huh. <laughs> it's so difficult <laughs> um, so despite all the grief and and difficulties they put up with, they remain incredibly cheerful and optimistic and really well educated. And, uh, Very well educated. Great health care, except they haven't got any drugs, but uh, um, uh, everybody's daughter or granddaughter seems to be in medical school doing tra training, so and it felt amazing very, society. It felt very safe, you know, and you didn't feel that there was crime. I mean, obviously there is some, but... Um, they were telling us the government lecture them on being nice to tourists because tourism actually is and would be a lot more beneficial for them if the Americans, the border with America was open. But they do get tourists coming in from from Europe, um, and they just want to be nice to them to encourage more tourists. So yeah, so we felt very safe there. Very good. Yeah, I imagine they would be flooded with American tourists if the borders w would open to us. Um, it's so close. 
And they would love it. <laughs> well, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think they were you know, yeah. back in 2014-15. Oh, that's uh, right. Uh, yeah. They regard that they regard that as the heyday, and that's when Marina Hemingway was was full of US boats. Um, yeah. uh, and now some of the infrastructure is crumbling because there's just nobody to use it and they they can't afford to to maintain it you know when it's not being used in, so. in the old harbor in havana they built a um, a cruise liner terminal but of course no cruise liners can go there because if they go to cuba they can't go to america <laughs> uh, so the, the, you've got a cruise liner terminal that is pretty just much crumbling. Just, just crumbling into the sea and, that, and the um, hotels like in hemingway there were hotels and they they're just desperately trying to keep them going, but there's nobody saying. So, so it feels like there's a big investment to actually accommodate those years of optimism that has just uh, just gone completely pear shaped, um, uh, and terrible shame, terrible shame. Mm-hmm. It seems seems from an outsider, as an outsider, just a completely absurd situation between Cuba and America. Um, yeah, I mean. Uh... From my... <laughs> even even though they they still have the missiles pointing at America, you remember <laughs> the Cuban missile cri- uh, crisis, uh, which I kind of uh, read about um, in the history books. Uh, we took a trip down to Havana and we saw this ray of <laughs> nuclear missiles, which are actually part of a national park. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they're still po- and they're still pointing at Miami. <laughs> <laughs> A little rusty and uh, probably seen better days there. They've been there 60 years. but <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't understand it, but, um, you know, I, even if I did, there's nothing I can do about it. So I, I would I would go if I was allowed to, but uh, I'm not, so I'll go to the that's Bahamas. And, yeah, that's what everybody says, right? It, it, it was great for us, to be honest. We saw everybody turning left from the Bahamas, and uh, then we had Cuba to ourselves, yeah. <laughs> which was which is very selfish, but, uh, but 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 super. We really enjoyed. Well, it. I mean, that's you know that's why I went to Newfoundland to go somewhere where there's there's fewer people. Um, well, it's, 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 it's nature and and uh, you know some some remote anchorages. So. And we like the, we still like the cold, actually, um, Paul. It's it's quite hot down here. Oh gosh! And I do like I do like those cold climates. Oh, not me! I'm so glad to be back in the tropics. I tell you what, I, I basically feel like it's been a, a whole year in winter. I think I just you know all all of last year was winter for me the entire year, even though it was you know summer and oh. summer in Canada is like winter in in Saint Augustine. You know, it's like the coldest part of. <laughs> In St. Augustine. So is that you were born? In, you were born in St. Augustine. No, no, I wasn't born you? there. Um, but I, but I lived there from from ninety seven to to two thousand nineteen. Okay. okay. So I, I kind of consider it the longest I've ever lived anywhere. So I kind of consider it my hometown. Um, that's where I go when I go back to the United States. I go back to St. Augustine and, and see all my old friends. Uh-huh. Okay. It's a nice place. So what are you plans for the summer? For? Uh, I'm going to go to Bogus del Toro, Panama. Oh, well, that's where we're heading. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Except we fly home at the end of March. So. Yeah, we're going to leave the boat in the Red Frog Marina for the, for the summer and fly home. Oh, uh, well, I'll, I'll hot... stop by and say hello to your boat then. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, that'd be grateful. I won't be there we'll until... Be uh, I won't be there until... Well, no, I'll be there in, in March. Yeah, let's see. No, hold on, not March. I'll be there in May. Okay. okay. Yeah. And how long are you staying? Are you going to be there for a while? Or? I'll be there for at least six months, and 
Oh, well, we'll catch up with you in November. We'll be back in November. Okay. Well, that's that. That, that yeah. Still... <laughs> that might be right when I leave. I might stay for a whole year. Though. <laughs> Your cruising permit's good for a year. And if you leave and okay. come back, you can stay for, you know, you can renew your passport. And, and we Americans, we get a, right. we get a six-month passport. I mean, a visa, six-month okay. visa. So I, I stayed for seven months last time I was there, and I loved it. And I might try to stay for a whole year this time. So we, we, our plan is to, uh, from here, we'll go hopefully to the Albuquerque Keys. Um, and if we escape there, we'll go on down to Bogostan Toro. And we actually fly home th- on the 28th of March. Mm-hmm. Um and then we're going to be back in November, and then we'll probably go through the canal early '24 into the Pacific. Okay, that's the that's the ladies' thinking. All right, but uh, we want to spend most of March up in the up in Costa Rica and uh, uh, exploring it, it by land rather than by sea. I don't think it's a great cruising destination, but uh, it sounds a wonderful oh, place to uh, get it is. get into the mountains. I, I've I've had some great times exploring Costa Rica uh, by car by rental car. Fantastic. Yeah, that's what, that's pretty much what we plan to do. I think is uh, cross, cross, cross the border. You can't take the car. Yeah, I think we'd have to cross the border by bus, but uh, yeah, uh, cross the border and then and then rent a car and and you'll have a great yeah. time. Just drive around. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. yeah the the mountains are beautiful. The jungle. The the people are friendly. Um, everywhere you go, there's 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 tourist tourist infrastructure everywhere you go. And the Red Frog Marina itself sounds quite an interesting area. Oh yeah, yeah. The Red Frog uh, Resort is very nice, beautiful, um, very clean and well-run uh, uh, marina and um, resort, and uh, it's it's a, it's its own community on a on the on a, uh, island, Isla Bastimentos. Uh, there, yeah. There's some other there's some other communities on that island, but they're not connected to the Red Frog. The Red Frog's its own its own little microcosm. Right. Uh, but it's a beautiful place, a very interesting part of the world. I've, I really enjoy it there. I like it. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do. In, well, we should be in, I'm guessing, in the Red Frog probably in a week or two's time. So we've got all of March really to uh, to uh, explore a bit, of, a bit of Panama and a bit of Costa Rica, which we're looking forward to. Excellent. Sounds and great. To well, put I... the boat to the bed for the hurricane season. Yeah. The bed for the hurricane season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be there. So, um, feel free to, to get in touch if you need, um, you know, if you need me to look at your boat or anything or just take a, take a picture, I'll, I'll take a picture of it and send it to you regardless, just to let you know it's still there. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be grateful. Some, some guys put us in touch with a guy called Pierre who, uh, who we're going to employ as a kind of concierge, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, but we're, we're always grateful to get feedback when the boat is abandoned in some yeah. foreign, <laughs> foreign yeah. port, as it often is. Well, that's that's a safe that's a safe place to to leave a boat for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that'll be a, that's a good choice. Yeah, and, there, and there's no there's no um, hurricanes there. Uh, no. Well, I hope not because we can't we can't get hurricane insurance for there, um, even though it's outside the hurricane box. Our insurers won't cover it, so. Uh, if there is a named storm, we're not covered. So uh... no, they don't. They don't get hit by hurricanes, and they, they get hit by plenty of uh, thunderstorms. You know. Um, yeah, thunder is the biggest risk. Plenty of that. Them, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the marina's yeah, the marina's yeah. protected from although from that's, from that's all less than, I gather that's less of a risk um, there than it is in Shelter Bay. Um, uh, 
Yeah, that's just that's just the act, you know, the act of God. If it's if it's your time to get hit, you're gonna get hit. <laughs> if not, you're, you're all good. I chopped lots of died on the last passage anyway, so maybe it was due an upgrade. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you know, when I bought this boat, it had all new electronics because it had been struck by lightning uh, in 2016. Oh, really? Yeah, I bought the boat in 19, and in 16, it had been struck by lightning and blew out all of its electronics. So it was an old. This is an old boat, you know, built in in uh, the 70s. You know, it was very inexpensive boat. Um, nobody wanted it, but it had all new electronics. So I got a really good deal on that. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I got the boat for less than what the new electronics would have cost, I think. Well, all, all our electronics were all fitted in 2006. And, of course, none of them are supported anymore. So, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. so replacing the, the backlight bulb in our shop through is a, a DIY experience rather, sure. rather than a return to regular yeah uh, so i've been watching endless youtube videos as to how to do it and which bits to buy but uh, yep. uh yeah maybe we need to sit no i don't want to be struck by lightning <laughs> no no good grief well so you're going to go to the, the pacific where are you planning on going once you cross the canal uh we're going to go to galapagos and the marquesas i think um so probably hope to fetch up in the marquesas april 2024 25 24 um so yeah we've got some friends going to join us for that leg um uh, so that we're not double-handed which would be nice um and uh chill out in the pacific we'll leave the boat in the east in the in french polynesia for the cyclone season go home again mm-hmm. and then continue on continue on to new zealand the next year sounds fantastic we're looking forward to having the hydrovane working for the pacific and yeah you'll need it to- we're looking forward to renovating our electric autopilot as well <laughs> and taking two extra crew with us just in case. <laughs> yeah. 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 You'll need it for those long passages. But you sail pretty much single-handed. Is that right? Yes. I'm, I'm always single-handed. Yeah. But I've got a hydrovane and, and also an electronic autopilot. So they're, they're usually doing the, doing the job. Although I've been caught a few times with, with no autopilot and had to hand steer for, you know, days at a time. And that's, that's, um, it's really tough on your own. Yeah, it's yeah. tough on your own, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and yeah. Actually, yeah. It can... Our insurers for the Pacific insisted that we have two independent methods of steering the boat other than, us, other than ourselves, so hence the investment in the hydrovane. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, they, were, they wouldn't insure us if we just had a hydrovane or really? if we just had an electric pilot. Yeah. That was double-handed, wasn't it? For double-handed sailing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good grief. There's two of you. <laughs> what more do they want? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they speak the single-hander. Yeah, well, you can be sleeping for 12 hours a day, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Paul. <laughs> no, we took, we took you to the wrong man here. <laughs> no, you'll get no sympathy from me. <laughs> do, do, do you, can you get insurance selling single-handed? Or are you, have no, you, I can't get insurance. I, I looked into it. Um, being a single hander, they don't want, no one wants to insure me having a, having a boat that's, that's 50 years old. Nobody wants me, um, sailing internationally. Like I couldn't get any, you know, every website I went to just rejected me. I mean, you know, after the first questionnaire, they're like, nope, 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 nope. nope. So I don't have any insurance. Have you got, got third party insurance, Paul? I, I got, I got third party insurance, um, Last year, because I was going to, uh, I needed to, to haul the boat out and, at a marina. Um, mm-hmm. They, they yeah. asked for, it. and they never actually asked for proof of it. But, but, um, yeah. 
So I had, I had third party. It, it might still be in effect. Um, so I had it when I was in the Marina in St. Augustine recently, but, uh, but, any, but usually I have none. No, I usually have no insurance. That's the way we're all heading. If, if you're doing anything slightly unusual or slightly off piste, um, it's becoming increasingly difficult for a lot of boats. So yeah, I don't think we could have done what we did in the Arctic now uh, and had it insured all the way, which as we did in between 2016 and 2019, um, I think that's just closed that window. Yeah, they don't want to take uh, you know as much risk as we do. The insurance companies. Yep. You know. So I, yeah, I looked into it a little bit in the beginning, and then just said, "I guess it's, I guess I'm not going to get it," and haven't even tried since. Well, you've saved yourself a fortune, and you're still afloat. That's the important thing. <laughs> well, I can scarcely afford it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on a pretty pretty tight budget over here. Um. So how are you? How yeah. are you? How are your book sales going, Paul? I saw that you published a book about Newfoundland. Too. Yeah, they, the books are selling. They're selling well. Um, I did publish a book uh, called Sailing to Newfoundland. And uh, yeah. it's doing well. It's um, it's only been out for about a month now, um, but uh, yeah. Is it, in well. is it in an electronic format? Is it in Kindle format? So it's we, it's Kindle, it? paperback, and hardback. Oh, cool! Yeah, cool. you can get all those yeah. online. And and while yeah. I was in Newfoundland, um, I published a book with Tapio Lettinen about oh that, yeah that we co-wrote yeah. um, about his uh, 2018 Golden Globe campaign. Okay. Yeah, and he and he and I are working on one now for uh, his adventure just recently, where his boat sank. Well, we've just given him an award for sinking it. He's oh, the OCC. That, oh, that's right. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. The OCC has just given him a seamanship award, which he shares with his rescuers. It has to be said, but uh, yeah, with Kirsten on the basis yeah, that, and the Darty Yeah, on the basis that the the uh, the uh, rescue was exemplary, but uh, without him, yeah. it wouldn't have happened. So he gets the award, and he's coming to the AGM, which is even better. So we're going to meet up with him in pool. Oh, great! Where are you going to meet him? Uh, our AGM this year, instead of being in North America, is it, back in Britain, in uh, on the okay. south coast of Britain, in, in the Lifeboat Institute in in pool. Uh, he's such a nice man. He's such a, a pleasure to work with. Um, yeah, he's, he's a, a great Good. guy. Just just totally positive. Uh, nothing ever gets him down. Um, he's just so what, what national? What national? What? what I, I, he sounds British, but it's, a, it's an unusual name. What? What? What uh, ethnicity is he? Or? He's Finnish, Finland. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah. So we'll get to meet him in April because we're we're going back for the AGM in uh, in, oh. in Pool, and he's coming over for that. Oh, great! Well, that'll be a pleasure. He's he, like I said, he's a fantastic gentleman. Um, he sounds very. He sounds very excited about receiving the seamanship award. Oh, good. He was. <laughs> yeah, he was the cause of the rescue. Yeah. Well, but, I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 just so unfortunate that that happened. His boat was was so well prepared and so well built. I mean, he took that boat apart to to a yeah. bare hull. He took the interior. I took the deck off the boat and took the interior out. He took, he took the bulkheads out. I mean, he rebuilt the boat almost from scratch. So do you, what was the actual cause of the sinking? I don't think I know that. Before. He doesn't know. It went, went down in five minutes or something, didn't it? Yeah, he doesn't know what happened. He was asleep. Um, right. He woke up. He heard a loud bang, but he says he didn't feel the boat jolt. And he thinks right. that the loud bang was something interior, like a bulkhead failing. Because he has a bunch of right. watertight bulkheads in the boat. So he, so he, he thinks what he heard was, a, was one of the watertight bulkheads in the stern giving way. And then water rushed in and filled up, but something created a large hole in the boat, probably in the stern. 
Um, and and he doesn't know what that was. And the boat the boat sank so fast he didn't he never got a chance to figure it out. Was it during particularly severe weather or was no? It, it was pretty mild stuff at the time. Yeah, it was not during severe weather. Um, yeah, I mean, just from my own my own idea, you know, I think it could have been a whale strike, or yeah. or it could have been that he hit something. But but he thinks the the water came from the stern. He thinks the hole was in the stern of the boat somewhere. Um, so maybe the prop, the prop shaft or or the rudder. Maybe I guess. yeah, I don't know. I but, you know, it was, it was a large enough hole that it filled the boat up within five minutes. The water was up to you know to the ceiling. And he didn't even have time to get um, anything out besides a life raft, a communications box, and his survival suit. That's it. The boat was gone. Uh, it's quite a story. So anyway, we're we're writing a book about it. That'll it'll be out sometime later this year, probably. Oh, well done. Well, we'll remember you to him when we meet him in April. Uh, looking forward to that. Well, yeah, I wish I could be there too. Where it's going to be in Britain, huh? Yeah, it's in Britain. Yeah, no, I won't be there. <laughs> too far, too far to sail. I'm st- I'm sticking to the tropics. I'm going to spend like at least two years in the tropics now. Last time we chatted, I thought you were heading to the Azores, but then you ended up in Newfoundland, so I couldn't figure that one out. <laughs> well, you know what? It was it was it was the book I just mentioned that that I wrote with Tapio. Um, I was getting ready to to go to the Azores. In fact, I was on my way to uh, Fortune, where I was going to. Um, stage for the Azores, and uh, I had just come out of uh, Hare Bay, where, which you mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah, I had just come out of Hare Bay, and I was on my way to Fortune to check out. And I got an, yeah. well, yeah, to, to get um to get fuel and food yeah, and, and yeah. just to just to stage, just to sit and wait for for weather. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got an email that uh, the book we had been working on uh, on a belt of foaming seas was uh, back in my hands from an editor. And I, I realized that if I stopped and stayed for a few days, I thought for a few days, it ended up being two more weeks, but I figured if I, if I stopped right away and got to work really hard, I could have the book published before the, the uh, 2022 Golden Globe race started okay. in September. Okay. So I changed my plans right there. And then it turns out the, um, the book wasn't edited as much as I thought it was. Anyway, I ended up have ended up deciding to, a uh, stay in Newfoundland. I was on the fence anyway. I wasn't yeah. sh- really sure I wanted to leave. Yeah. And the and and since and, you know and that was kind of like the impetus to uh to, to go ahead and make the decision to stay through the summer. Mm-hmm. Because you either you either get there you know in late June and stay for a couple of weeks and then get out before um you know the hurricane season gets into full swing and you've only got two or three weeks in Newfoundland or you stay for the whole summer. And then and then head back down the U.S. coast. I think you made a good uh, choice. I think it's I really. I good, sure did. Really good. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just such a special place, and and I might not ever be there again. And the summer was beautiful. You know, I mean, you know, I definitely experienced some really beautiful weather there. Like like I said, to me, it's it's all winter. But <laughs> but uh, but you know, July and August is is if you're gonna go, July and August is the time to be there. Then you got to get out, you know, immediately because I, I got out of there like right before a hurricane hit. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, I mean, a hurricane hit Nova Scotia and then, and then Newfoundland. Yeah. We, we, we got caught in hurricane Darien, didn't we? In, yeah, in, 19, in 2019, um, which was, and we were in the Bradley. Oh, yeah. Nova Scotia. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, oh, good grief. Yeah, and that that's but yeah, there was a big one that ploughed into Porto Basque this year, wasn't there? That I can't remember which one that was. Yeah, but yeah, did a lot of damage. I forget the name, but but I but I got out of there like right before that one hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was a devastating um, one. Wasn't so it? yeah, you got to get out. Like that's it's a it's a short season in, in Newfoundland. Pes- pesky hur- pesky hurricanes. We were sailing. It has to be said on the north coast of Newfoundland, uh, right into the end of September, and it was lovely. <laughs> but that's oh, yeah, kept, like, to the that's end of kept, September. Yeah, we kept the boat for a winter in Lewisport on the north coast. Wow, um, oh, uh, you guys are tough. In Notre Dame Bay, but it was <laughs> it was beautiful in September. Really beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And started again in June. Did we launch or May? June. Yeah, it was June. So we we stretched the season in Newfoundland and uh, enjoyed it. It's good. Yeah. Golly, yeah. Well, you guys are you guys are built for the the north, apparently. Uh, I'm no. not. <laughs> no, we just got a heated boat. We got a heated boat. Oh, <laughs> yes. Lots of yeah, boats. my boat is is my my boat is built for the tropics. Yeah, we turned up in yeah. Annapolis in the middle of uh, at the end of June, uh, which is stinking hot. We hadn't even got a working fan on the boat. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, why, why would you if you've been up in the Newfoundland and Greenland? So we went straight to West Marina. They pretty much sold out of fans in West Marina. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got fans all over the place. I've got probably five fans on my boat. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. that necessary, absolutely necessary. But but for Newfoundland, I bought. Uh, you know, I only made, made the decision to go kind of at spur of the moment. Um, so I bought a heater right away. I bought a a little three hundred and sixty watt twelve volt heater. That's that's about you know six inches by six inches by six inches cubed. Oh wow! <laughs> and it's 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 great for uh, warming your hands. You know, if you hold your hands in front of it, like really close to it, it'll warm them right up. So are you, are you so you don't have proper heating on your boat, uh, Paul? No, that's it. I've got that little that little heater, and it uses so much electricity. I can only run it when the uh, when the engine's running. I, I presume your boat's not like um, insulated at all. If it's been in the tropics, it's 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 designed. No, it's not. The the hull is fairly well insulated. It's got um. Uh, a foam pour. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, no, the rest of it. There's no insulation on the on the roof. Or, uh, I can see where you. I can see where you're. Que- and I, I don't even have a Dodger. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I can see where you're keen yeah. to brace out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was fabulous. You know, it was one of the greatest uh, years of my life up there. But um, you know, getting there was was. Had, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, a bit of, a bit of misery. I won't say a lot of misery, but a, but a, a fair dose of misery, getting there and getting back too, coming back down, you're back to the United States and back down the coast. You know, it's just cold, and rainy, and windy, and cold, and rainy and windy. Against the prevailing winds, aren't you? Uh, most yeah, against, yeah, con- you know, yeah, waiting for waiting for weather windows and taking them. And when I finally got back to Florida, it was a sunny, beautiful day. I was so happy. <laughs> um, yeah, but then it got cold again. It did. Um, anyway, Christmas Day we had the heating on, didn't we? It was amazing. We were in. Uh... Oh my gosh, Christmas Day was freezing. I was in Melbourne. I got further south. Um, yeah, we were. I, got in to, the... I, got, I went. I left. I saw that coming, and I'm like, I'm not going to stay in St. Augustine when it when it's going it's going to get below freezing. I'm going. You know, I got to Melbourne where it was considerably warmer, but it was still we, extremely cold. We were in Biscayne Key, and uh, the it was so cold the iguanas were falling out of the palm trees. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's free food. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, I'm I'm so happy to be back in the Bahamas now. Uh, it's warm and sunny here, and uh, 
and I, and I've been on a on a on a tear with my uh, my spear. I've I've had fresh seafood in the fridge every every day so far. Uh, Wilton, are, are the many? Is it, how busy are the Bahamas? It just looked like everybody was heading there, so uh, that was one of the reasons we didn't go. Well, you know, and of course, it's too shallow for us, but uh, it's a big country. There's a lot of islands. Is that right? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot of there's a lot of islands, and the people tend to concentrate, um, you know, in the places they go. So there, you can you can find islands where there won't be anybody, you know, no problem. Um, yeah, there's yeah, there's yeah. always there's always remote anchorages, or you can like right now I'm in a I'm in a fairly populated area. I'm, I'm by a Hope Town, um, but there's only one other boat in the anchorage with me. It does it does look lovely. Uh, we, we we must try and get there some sometime. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Maybe on somebody else's boat. Yeah. Maybe on a catamaran or something really shallow draft. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Catamaran's a good way to do it. Yeah, my boat has a, a six foot draft, um, but I, I get around fine. Yeah, yeah. But a, a catamaran would be a, a good way to do it because um, if you can get into the shallower places, you, you, know, you can get more places. Yeah. But it's a beautiful country. The people are friendly. Uh, the water's is is clear in most places. There's there's lots to see and do is it uh, in the water. Is it expensive or is it is it US prices or is it cheaper? Or? No, you want to bring your own food. The food is two to three times as expensive as it is in the United States. Wow. And any anything you yeah, anything you try to buy, just just don't do it. Just just bring everything you need because interesting. Um, interesting. We found this there's a really yeah, there's a heavy tax. There's a heavy import tax uh, on everything yeah. here. So it's expensive, and it's hard to find anything anyway. You just, you know, if, when you come here, you just just assume that you're not going to be able to find whatever you might need, and bring it. We and, found the know. states really expensive, actually, being humble Brits um, with a pound that's worth oh yeah worth nothing. So uh, <laughs> we were quite pleased to get to Cuba, where we couldn't actually buy anything anyway. But what we could, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the Bahamas are fairly expensive, but I but I don't I don't do a lot of shopping when I'm here. Um, you spearfishing, living off the land. I tell you what, I've been eating fresh fish or lobster every day so far. Well done. And, well and done. I've got and I've got about three days worth of, of fish in the fridge right now. Well done. Well done. Yeah, but there's you know there's a, a, a risk involved in that. Like yesterday, I saw the biggest shark I might have maybe have ever seen uh, while I was in the water. Uh, Big bull shark. Uh, Huge bull shark. It just swam by. It didn't didn't pay me any attention but uh still it was pretty scary we have to deal with that one of the places we went swimming um on the south coast of cuba was a beautiful little bay called um uh, uh san francis or something like that point of puerto francis and uh, it wasn't until we got back on the boat we we passed a rare town there are there are very few towns or villages on the south coast it was called crocodillo <laughs> so oh. I think should we have been swimming? Should we have been swimming there? Because <laughs> there, there, there are crocodiles in Cuba, apparently. But uh, yeah, uh, you just never know, you never know where you're going to come across crocodiles. Yeah, Costa Rica's got huge monsters, Is saltwater crocodiles. Right? Yeah, I mean big, the big, the big, the really big saltwater crocs. Yeah, right. Yeah, Australian style. Yeah. Australian style, exactly. They're huge. They're they're like they're monsters. They're like dinosaurs. Because yeah. we have alligators here in Florida, and they get pretty big too. But but the saltwater crocodiles in Costa Rica dwarf our American alligators. Is that right? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, so be careful. <laughs> don't, don't go swimming in the you know the the low warm water rivers in Costa Rica. 
Uh, if, you're, if you're up in the mountains, you're okay in the cold water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cold-blooded animals. But down by down by the coast, down by the coast, where 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 a river meets the ocean, that's where the crocodiles live. Yeah, I used to work in the uh, far north Queensland in Australia, uh, where crocodiles were an occupational hazard. Yeah. 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 Costa Rica is full of animals. They have a, that is the most biodiverse country on earth. I know. And they, and they're capitalizing on it. They're actually monetizing their, uh, their ecotourism very, very effectively, which is wonderful. It's great. So we're looking, we're really looking forward to exploring it. We've never been there, but we've heard a lot about it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I spent a, a night watching an active volcano once in Costa Rica. It was fantastic. Right from my hotel room. Just sitting out outside in my hotel room watching uh you know fire blow up into the sky and and flaming boulders roll down a mountain. It was it was magical. Great. Great. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Good. Well, all right. Well, it's been great talking to you guys. I hope um I hope we can uh, we can do this an, another time. Um I excited for your your trip to uh uh, across the Pacific. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see you before that. Maybe we'll catch up with you somewhere in, in Panama if it's not... Uh, I hope so. It sounds like we. It sounds like our paths have crossed a couple of times that we didn't even realize. I it. didn't realize. I'm embarrassed about that. It sounds like we were in Naples together. It sounds like we were in Fort, Fort Augusta together. So a track record. I know. Or... And then we did, we did, of course, try in Maine, but that that was that was kind of understandable. But uh, yeah, we need to keep a closer, yeah. a closer eye on that fleet map. But um, yeah, we must make an effort in, uh, in, in Panama. So if we're in Bocos or San Blas or somewhere, or, um, we'll, we'll, we'll try and sort you out. It's Windhorse is your boat, isn't it, Paul? Windflower. Windflower. Windflower, yeah. Yeah, yeah Windflower. Yep. 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 Yeah, keep an eye out. And yours is Shimshal, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Shimshal. All right. I'll be, I'll be watching for you. Great. Very nice to chat, Paul. Well, thanks for... Yeah, thanks for coming on to the podcast. It's great talking to you guys, and uh, you know, enjoy your travels. We'll do. Cheers, Paul. Bye now. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. What a pleasure it was uh, talking with Simon and Sally. I'll have photos and links on the podcast show notes page at paultrammell.com slash podcast. While you're there, you can find all the books that I've written. The latest is called Sailing to Newfoundland, and that's available as an ebook, a paperback, or a hardback from Amazon. And uh, also on my website, you'll find links to Patreon, where you can support the podcast financially. I would not be able to do it without my patrons. And if you are a regular listener, please consider uh, subscribing and donating through Patreon. You can do it at any uh, level, $1 a month, $5 a month, $20 a month, whatever you choose. Uh, it's up to you. But I certainly do appreciate those who support. And if you support through Patreon, you get access to my Patreon page where I post bonus content, uh, little mini episodes, photos of things that I've learned and, and have done, places I've been, videos, places I've been, all sorts of interesting stuff. And if you want to follow me, you can find me on Instagram at trammel.paul or on YouTube at Paul Trammell. I just recently released a video of, uh, sailing solo from Florida to Maine, part one of the Sailing to Newfoundland series. So I'll have a video series that will go along with the book Sailing to Newfoundland. Before I go, I want to thank Blue for their support. Find them at diveblue.com, D-I-V-E-B-L-U-3.com, makers of the... Nemo and the Nomad tankless dive systems. I have the Nemo and I've been using it to clean Windflowers Hall. It's a total game changer. Check them out at diveblue.com. 
And thanks to J.B. Langley for their support, makers of the Altus Rain Suit. I've been wearing the Altus Rain Jacket, and it's a fantastic piece of gear. Check them out at jblangley.com. All right, folks, thanks again for listening. Until next time, happy sailing and peace out.